Welcome to the Brick Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Jared Callahan, and I'm the lead pastor here at the Brick. And my prayer is that as you listen to this message, that you connect with God maybe in a new way, and it's the beginning of the conversation between you and Him, and the beginning of our connection here at the Brick. Eleven thirty. How you feel? Right, if we haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Jared Callan. I'm your lead pastor here at The Brick. And you jumped into today's message, the tongue, the heart, and the future. Let's talk about the future. I'm not going to prophesy this morning anything. Uh, maybe I will. I don't know. I'm not going to limit God. Maybe I will prophesy. Forget y'all. Uh, all right, so the tongue, the heart, and the future. Uh, so really over the last year, year and a half, you might potentially, possibly, if you're honest with yourself, have caught yourself speaking in a way that maybe you're not proud of. Maybe, just maybe, over the last year you've let, I don't know, say a global pandemic, politics, start to seep into your heart and maybe start to come out in your language or your social media posts. I don't know. Uh, actually, I can see your social media posts if you were wondering if your pastor could see them, unless you specifically try to hide me. I'm watching you, and uh, I don't like to do the angry face, so I just pass it by. I just pass it on by. I gotta just move on. Uh, so today we're talking about how we talk, how, it's, how much it's tied to our heart, and honestly, how that is the barometer, the measure, the speedometer on where you're going to go in your future. Um, so let's take a, a look at our key verse found in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. It says, A good man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Now, in many places, when Jesus, this is Jesus talking, so you like kind of like tune your ear because it's Jesus. You know, I don't know if you know, he's the son of God, so it's important when he talks. This is Jesus talking. And there are times in scripture where Jesus uses uh, kind of a literary device called hyperbole. It just means kind of like exaggerating for effect, but both of us understand what you're saying, right? Like in one scripture, he says, um, you need to hate your father and mother if you're going to follow after me. He doesn't mean that literally. There's other scriptures that clearly indicate he wants you to honor your father and mother. But in a comparison, it will seem like hate, right? Like, so there's an understanding that we both get in that. That's not happening here. He's saying, out of the abundance of your heart your mouth speaks. And the thing is, is, is sometimes we don't want to be honest about that. Like we don't want to, we want to say things, we like, but that's not, that's not real. I just, I didn't, I didn't mean it like that. You know what I'm saying? That's not what I meant. No, no, but you said it. And what scripture says is that it was in your heart because you said it. It was there somewhere. You spoke it. And today what I want to get to you is how, how powerful your language is, how honestly it ties to your heart, and how that also will determine your future. I really want to tie those things together, but what I don't want to do is to have you leave with guilt and shame. Like that's not, uh, guilt and shame is not a scriptural concept. There's conviction. It's a very important thing that you need to have in your life, but guilt and shame don't come from God. That's not how he works. He works from conviction and they're very, they feel very different. Uh, and so today what I want you to really look for uh, and really register are the red flags in your language so that you can look at your heart and make the adjustments you need to so that you can have the future that God has for you. I want you to register your language 
understand and be honest with yourself that it's communicating about something in your heart, an abundance of something in your heart because it came out of your mouth and that's what Jesus said. And then how much that ties in to your future and where you're going and even how you're impacting the people around you. Now, I want to give you a little bit of uh, of some examples. Um, And some of you might even have the benefit of a, a record of your language. You can go back to your social media posts and scroll through and figure out where your heart was in January, where your heart was in December, where was your heart in October. You can look at your posts and be like, oh, I was anxious. I can tell. I can tell my posts I was anxious. Some of us, and some of us are just going to have to be honest about when it comes out, where it comes out. Maybe you're in your car driving alone and it comes out and you're like, ooh, why, where was that from? Why was I so mad at him cutting me off? There's something. And just be honest. Or re- honest. Register the red flag recognize it in your heart and change it because it matters for your future. A few examples of what I'm talking about um, when I talk about language uh, and mainly some examples that stick out to me uh, before we jump into the heart stuff. Uh, One is I'll notice in language uh, that some people are double-minded, what scripture calls double-minded. And what that means is that you, you say two opposing things, uh, but then are confused why people are confused. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like, what? I was clear as day. No, you actually said two different things. You said you were happy with me, and then you were mad with, about me. You said it in a bad tone, but then you said you were happy. So I'm super confused. You seemed cranky, but you said you weren't cranky. Like this double-minded speak. And I, I noticed not that long ago, I was sitting down with a young man who was trying to figure out uh, a, a job to take. And he's like, man, I just, I feel like God has called me to take this job, man. That's what God's called me to do. And then like not two seconds later, he's like, I'm just really nervous about like if I should take the job or not. Like you think, you think it's the right deal? And he's like, but bro, I should like, that's God telling me I'm taking, I'm like, what, pick one, like pick one. But what I recognize is not that, that, uh, that his language isn't as important to me that it, as his heart is. Like, bro, go home, get in your prayer closet, talk to God and figure out what he's actually called you to do. Because once you got, he called me to do it. The only question is how? That's it. It's not like, not like he called me to do it. I don't know if I'm supposed to do it. It's he, God called me to take this job. All I need to figure out, is it two weeks notice, a month's notice? Do I need to start tomorrow? What has God called me to do now? That's all I need to figure out. And some of us spend so much time talking back and forth. And what I want you to get is not like, oh, I just need to say something and believe it. No, no, no I need your heart to believe it. I need you to recognize when you're saying two different things and check your heart and see, oh, my heart isn't sure. My heart isn't sure that I heard the voice of God. My heart isn't sure that he's telling me to do it. And until I get that heart assurance, I need to do the work to get there. I need to do whatever work it takes to get there. The other one that is uh, pretty consistent right now with, uh, well, just the world, uh, global, everything, uh, sickness, politics, finances, whatever you want to look at, is worry and anxiety, right? And the thing, the thing that's crucial in this, you have, you have a choice in how you speak. You have a choice in what you let in your heart. And you can either choose to speak with worry and post with worry and anxiety, or you can choose to post with hope. You can choose to decide to speak differently because you've assessed your words, you've changed your heart, and you've spoken differently because you let the indication, the red flag of your language, help you fix your heart so that you can change your future. Right? You, uh, we, I noticed this uh, not that long ago. Someone came in to give us kind of some bids on some products. And uh, you could tell they'd spent a lot of time working with churches because they had some burns from working with churches and some burns from their childhood. And in their language, 
they communicated to us that they were very nervous that we were going to maybe do them wrong, but also that we were going to do the cheapest way possible. Like we didn't want excellence. We just wanted to get whatever we get us by. We just want you to do this at cheap and we want you to give it at discount rates. Like we don't want to pay you for your work, how good you are. We just want it, We want you to do it for free, basically. Here, just come in and do this as a volunteer when we're asking them for a bid. And again, I'm not mad at the language that's using, but if they were, if I were their pastors and they were to sit down and let me in on their heart, I would say like, Hey, let's process this. What's going on? Like you, you got burned in previous work with the church. You got burned by the church previously. Let's work some stuff out that's going on in your heart. And maybe some of you are there. Like, like legitimately, maybe there are some people in the church that have hurt you. And, and I'm, I, there's nothing wrong with the language that comes out because of that or because of the thing that's in your heart. What's wrong is when you recognize it and you don't take the steps to adjust it. Because it's not the church that hurt you. It was the people that were flawed in the church that hurt you. It was a bunch of people, myself included, that make mistakes. We say things, something happens, we did something wrong, and you got hurt in the process, whether it's intentional or not, and you go, oh, I got to fix my heart because I can't think that way about the body of Christ. I'm going to fix my heart, and I'm not going to speak that way. And then in all the other areas of our lives, we go, I'm not going to speak with fear and anxiety about politics because I know who my king is. I don't know who the president is, but I know who the king is, right? Hopefully you know who the president is. That'd be really weird. (laughs) let's talk in the lobby. Uh, I I know who I serve and I know the future that he has for me. So I'll speak with hope. No matter what happens in this world, I got somebody who's controlling my future and my direction. Like, I I don't know what's happening with a sickness or my family's sickness, but I'm going to start to speak life because I recognize it's telling what's in my heart and I'm going to catch the red flag and fix it. Uh, The one that's maybe convicting for me uh, that's true about me and I have to catch myself is uh, scarcity versus abundance. Do I choose a mindset and a language and a heart of scarcity or a language and a mindset of abundance? Now, I was born frugal. Like I was born into a family that was frugal. Uh, my parents are frugal. My grandpa was ultra frugal. Like it was just in us. And then I married a lady who's also ultra frugal. So it doesn't, it's luckily it's not marital conflict, but we both like, now nah, we ain't gonna spend that. Not gonna buy that. Not gonna eat there. Uh-uh. Now we're gonna pay how much to eat. I can go get half that at McDonald's for $2. Like you better get off of me. So we are ultra frugal. Like all, I'm trying to learn when it's right to spend money still. Cause I'm like that that cost me twice as much to do it the cheap way as it would be to just do it right. And so we're ultra frugal, but there's a, 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 a leaning where it's not frugality anymore. And there's a language where it's not about being frugal. It's about whether or not I trust my God to provide, right? There's a, there's a language where I can be like, oh no, I'm just being smart with money or no, no, I'm scared God can't take care of this bill for me. I'm scared that God can't adjust my finances to make this work out for me. I'm scared that if I take this step, I might not have enough money, even though I know God's called me to take the step. So he's got to provide the finances for this step. There's a difference between frugal and scarcity. And I have to be careful in my language that I don't get over into a mindset of fear and scarcity because on the other side, the side that I want to choose is a mindset and a heart set of abundance because I don't, my Bible says that my God owns cattle on a thousand hills. That's a lot. And beef is expensive these days, okay? So my God owns a cattle. He said he's going to provide for me. He said he's, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, and I'm not righteous on my own, but I follow Jesus, and he's got me covered, so he's not going to forsake me. Like, I don't have to live in scarcity. I'm going to choose abundance because my God is sufficient to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, and there's a lot of that glory up there that he's called to supply for me. So I'm going to choose that my language goes that direction. The pet peeve of mine, the next example, uh, is one, I can't stand it because of my personality type, but I also can't 
can't stand it because I feel sorry uh, for people when they're in this mindset because I want to help them. Um, and that's when you feel and your language communicates at your heart and you're choosing to speak out of a way where you're trapped versus you're free. Like some of us, some of us feel trapped. Like you feel like life happened to me and I didn't have no choice. Like it just happened. Like I just, that, these are my parents. This is what happened. These are the things. These are the traumas. This is the issues. This is what happened. This is what I am. My, my mom was depressed. My grandma was depressed. So I'm going to be depressed. Like my, my dad was addicted. My grandpa was addicted. So I'm going to be addicted. Like just over and over again, you feel trapped in your circumstances and think that you don't have freedom. And your language communicates that. Like what, what did I have to say? Of course I cussed my boss out. He talked back. He talked to me. He talked trash to me. He's not, I'm, of course I'm going to clap back. He ain't going to come talk to me like that. I'm not going to be disrespected. I didn't have no choice. Of course I gave him that finger while I was driving, that one singular finger to let them know they was number one because they cut me off. That's on them. That's not on me. We feel trapped in our language and communicate in our language that we're out of control and that life just happens to us. Instead, if you, well, oh, I'm, I'm actually not trapped. Uh, if you, instead, if you caught the red flag, I'm like, I'm talking like I'm trapped, like I'm the victim of life whenever I follow a God who set me free. He said, if I knew the truth and his name is Jesus and I met him and I should be free, so maybe I should talk like I'm free. Like if you just took for a moment the red flag, I'm like, I'm not a victim anymore. He called me to be an overcomer. He said I would be the head and not the tail. Like I'm going to start to believe something different. Let my heart be shifted in what scripture says about me rather than my old mindset, the old man that lives in me. I'm going to choose to follow the new man of who God has called me to be. And I will speak like it because that's an indication of what's going on in my heart the outshoot of that the the kind of kicker of of what that turns into is blame versus responsibility right and and you'll catch it real fast it's like no I, I was late because of my kids well you're late every week you know you could just get up a little earlier with your kids right I'm the one who says that so it's on me too uh it's like no no my wife was taking forever to get ready you've been married 10 years you know how long it takes your wife to get ready you better get up a little bit earlier you better stop blaming somebody y'all got two cars go ahead and drive yourself like there, there is also, when you feel trapped, you start to blame your circumstances on the people around you. Like, no, I, you know, I got to be having these shoes and these clothes. I can't, I can't be going cheap. Of course I'm in debt. I got to buy my stuff. I got to look good. I got to look fresh. It's got to happen. Like, of course I'm in debt. I got to have this house with these countertops, with this car and these wheels. Like, of course I'm in debt. What choice did I have? No, you had a choice. And you chose to care about people's opinions more than you cared about the direction of the freedom of the finances God called you to have. Right. And you're going to choose to decide, like, am I going to man, am I going to am I going to go with just let my heart go in this direction? Or am I going to let my heart speak to what God has said about me and what God says for, for me to live? Um, and so, again, you might come back to like, a, I don't I didn't mean it like that. You're going to say it and you're going to catch him. Like, no, no, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. But if you'll pause for a second and recognize, no, no, no. Jesus told me that it was out of the abundance of my heart. Maybe I, need to, maybe I need to think about some things. Maybe I need to process what's going on in my heart to let me say that. Maybe I need to process what's happening. And now uh, we even, we watch, like we listen, like the team is set to listen to language. And one we celebrated, like we go the other way too. I'm not just talking about negative stuff. We get excited when language, language shifts for the positive. We had a team member that uh, has been on the team for a long time, really talented, really gifted. And every time they talk, they're just like, man, y'all should do this. What if you bought this? Man, this would make this so much better if you did this. And we're like, cool, we love it. We like feedback, let's do it. And then like two weeks ago, we got a text and he was like, hey, what if we did this? Hey, what if we bought this? Hey, what if we changed this? And the team member came to me about the team member was like, bro, he said we. He stopped saying you and they. He started saying we. And for you, some of you are like, 
That's a silly thing to be, to, to be important. No, no, no. We recognize he went from that church to those people to our church and my church and my people. His language indicated a whole shift of where his heart was at. And we're like, we're set. we got this guy on the team. He's not just somebody that comes to help out because he likes what's happening. He comes because he wants to be a part of all that God's doing in him, through him, and at the church. That's a big deal. So if you catch yourself and you process, uh, my goal today is to not give you all the tools on how to, how to actually fix that. Uh, there are so many great books out there. Life Church is in the middle of a series called Winning the War in Your Mind. Pastor Craig's got an associated book. There's a book called Battlefield of the Mind that I've heard is really good. There's a lot of good books on processing your thoughts because it's going to start in your thought and it's going to get into your heart and then it's going to come out of your mouth, right? It's going to start in your head. It's going to get to your heart and it's going to come out of your mouth just consistently. So I'm not here to give you all kinds of like, here's all the ways that you fix that. My goal is for you to be inspired enough to find the ways, to just register the red flags, process it, and then find the ways. Because there's a million ways and a thousand circumstances in the ways that you fix it. Like for me, not that long ago, actually it was a long time ago now, probably 10 years ago, uh, I used to have satellite radio. And if you know me at all, uh, man, I love comedy. Like I like to laugh. I like to make people laugh. I have this real, really bad issue where like I will murder a joke, meaning I will keep it going until the last person in the room laughs. Like I don't, if you, if you laughed, <laughs> I don't need it that loud, Trev. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah, you sure do. It's your old dad jokes over here. He said, so, so like I will keep it going. Like my kids have got it from me now too, but just like until someone, everybody's done laughing, I'm going to keep it going because I like the, I, well, I want to make you laugh. I need the attention. It's a whole thing. I need counseling. But I'll keep the joke going. And I was listening. I had satellite radio years ago, and I was listening to the comedy station. And we all have these kind of lines of what God has called us to, what we're convicted to, to what, what, lets, what we let in, right? And I had lines of like, language doesn't really affect me. Like, I don't mind if other people have bad language around me. There are certain things in, in shows that are like lines for me. Like, no, I'm not going to watch that. Uh, but language isn't an issue. But what I noticed that when it came to comedy the language wasn't the issue, but the vulgarity and the darkness of the joke started to seep in. And I would catch myself in circumstances where like, oh, I could say this and it would get a laugh. And it would start to creep out of my language. I was like, that's a line. <laughs> like I was like saying jokes and they're like, are you a pastor? You can't say that out loud. I'm like, yeah, my bad. I shouldn't have said that. I, I apologize. Like, so it started to creep out into my language, which let me know and convicted me that it was getting into my heart. Like vulgar comedy was getting in my heart, so I turned the channel, stopped listening to that for a season because I realized there was an inlet that got into my head that seeped into my heart that started to come out of my mouth. So I'm going to stop the inlet and so that it stops the outlet. So you want to fix your heart? There's a lot of ways to do that, a thousand ways to do that. Today, I want to inspire you that it matters enough to do whatever work it takes to get there. So our next passage to inspire you, challenge you, to like if you're in doubt of how powerful it is, is found in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it, will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You have death and life in your language. And it says it, if you love it, if you respect it, you understand it, you appreciate it well enough, you're going to eat the fruit. The danger is that it's not just life. The danger is it's death and life that's in your tongue. And whichever one you love, whichever one you respect, that's the fruit you're going to get. If, if you speak anxiety, guess what fruit you're going to eat? If you speak life, you're going to get the fruit of life. 
If you speak worry, you're going to eat the fruit of worry. If you speak the language, you're going to bear the fruit of that language because that's what this is saying. Death and life is in the power of your language. The way that you speak, death and life, it's, not, it's connected to your heart, Jesus says, and it's coming out of the abundance, but it's also going to direct what fruit you get in your life. How you bear fruit is determined by how you're speaking. What you're saying today is the marker for where you're going to be tomorrow. Where you're at today is a result of how you spoke yesterday. It says it like this in James chapter 3, uh, verses 3 through 5. It says, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Man, just, all it takes is a little bit. All it takes is just a, just, a, just a little steer. You're on that ship, you want to go somewhere. Powerful winds, powerful storms, but it's just a little rudder on the back that, sh- that shapes your destiny. It's just, just a little spark is all it takes for the fire to rage for your future. Just a little bit of language adjustment can change the direction of your future. For me, in this, during this week when I'm like processing and praying and trying to hear what God's saying, uh, I, I recognize like a conviction of God almost all, every single time I get a message together. It's like, oh, this is for you and you also get to share it with them. Um, so you're like my counseling session. You're, you're welcome and you can send me the bill. But like God's saying like you can't preach this unless you uh, start working on it too. I'm like, yes, sir. You know, obviously he's God. He gets to do what he wants. And this week, I start to notice my language um, and speaking about my kids and to my kids. Like, my son's a two-year-old, all right? And he don't want to listen. Like, I, I'm going to blame his mama. I don't know if she, yeah, she's here, so I'll, I'll slow down. But it's his mama's fault. She, can't, she ain't got a mic. She can't say nothing right now. Anyways, it's his mama's fault, really, if we're honest. Uh, but in, in this moment, like, do y'all remember? Anybody, oh, y'all probably, y'all are too holy for this. Back in the day, we weren't allowed to watch Simpsons, but we watched it anyways. And there was that scene where Homer choked Bart, where he like choked him. Like, I don't want to be an abusive father. That's not funny to joke about, but I get it, Homer. I get it. I get it. Like, I, I get that moment where it's like, I told you, you know better. And then you just look me straight in the face. Like, I mean, yeah, my bad, whatever. Like, ain't no thing. Ain't no thing. Like, Stop hitting your sister. Stop doing that. Stop tearing stuff up. Why'd you tear that book up? You like to read? I don't understand. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, sorry. You better have some passion behind that. Sorry before I, oh, spare the rod. Hallelujah. So in that moment, I'm noticing my language and noticing how I'm speaking about him. And I recognize like I'm starting to set the destiny and the future of my children and how I speak. I'm, I'm, I'm setting my expectations in how I speak about my kids. See, because I can, I can speak two different ways. I can speak, and that kid is bad. He's a heathen, and he got it from his mama, right? I can just blame all of that on her, her genes, those bad genes that she got. Uh, I can speak all of that, or I can recognize he's two and say he's in the process of learning, and God's guiding me to lead him to the, be the man of God he's called to be. I can speak that, uh, man, even when he's not around, not even to him, about him, I can start to speak like, my kids are bad. I don't know why they don't listen. I don't know why my wife's genes had to be so heavy and so strong on these kids' lives. I can speak that, or I can speak, no, 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 I'm called and directed to raise that child up in the way he should go, and as passionately he is about not obeying, he's going to be that passionate about following God. Like, I can speak life over him, 
because I have a rudder in me that directs the path of not just my life, but those around me. And I'm going to speak life because I want to eat the fruit of the life that God has called me to have. And I want my kids and my marriage and my workplace and everywhere I'm at to eat the fruit of the language that I'm speaking because I got somewhere to go and I've got something to do. Now, one quick disclaimer, if you're thinking like, Jared, I I don't really like where I'm at necessarily, but I'm pretty optimistic. Like I'm a, I'm a happy person. I speak optimistically. I would say there's like a bit of a disclaimer uh, that there is a very small percentage. You might know this person if it's not you, like 1% where you're very optimistic, like just always believing, like you're always like, man, I'm about to win this court case. I'm about to get a bunch of money in. Everything's going to be good. Like I'm going to win the lottery. Don't worry about nothing. I got you. Whenever I win my lottery, it's going to be good. We're going to, we're going to go, we're going to go up. You know what I'm saying? We're going to Sakura. We're getting all the stuff, you know, chop, chop, chop. Uh, like they're very optimistic. Like everything's good. And, and you know that person and you look at them, you're like, you ain't got no chance at that case. And do you know odds in the lottery? You ain't winning nothing. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, just overly optimistic is like, I'm sorry, you think, it, you think you're good? Because you everything doesn't look good. It looks like your house is burning down and you're talking like everything's fine. There, there's a, there, is a, there is a moment. It's like a, when the snowstorm hit a couple weeks ago and uh, my truck, I can hit the gas, right? Like I got a rear wheel drive. I ain't got four wheel drive. I got rear wheel drive and I can hit the gas. And my speedometer can tell me I'm going 25, but I ain't going 25. Them tires are just spinning, right? And you can, you, can, you can have the language sometimes, like just a small percentage of people can have that language and it looks like it should be going, but it's only because you got your head stuck in the sand like an ostrich. You're not looking at nothing because I just have to look up for a second and realize that tree is still there. I ain't going nowhere. No matter what my speedometer says, my truck is stuck. I'm not going anywhere. And for some of a small percentage, you need to recognize like it's, it's time to do what James continues to say in James 3 is like faith without works is dead. Get out your truck and start digging to get your truck moving in the right direction. Some of you have heard from God and he's told you to do a thing or two and you keep speaking positively and God is saying, I need you to work positively. All right, it ain't the lottery you need. It's a J-O-B that you need, okay? Get out, flip them burgers because there ain't no shame in it. I don't care where you work. If you're working, I'm proud of you. Get out there and work, do a thing. All right, I'm gonna get nerdy for just a second. I need you to put your nerd glasses on and stay with me for just a moment as we dive in to uh, some Greek words in the New Testament, all right? So when it talks about the Word of God, uh, there are two distinct words when it's talking about the Word of God, and it's kind of unique. It's like, it's like God's like, I need to explain this. It's so powerful, I need two words to describe it. Um, the two words are logos and rhema. There's two words, logos and rhema, and they both mean the Word of God. Now, I'm gonna, they're, they're very overlapping and kind of hard to distinguish, even in context of Scripture. So I'm going to do my best to kind of give you an understanding of the difference. Uh, logos is a word that's more like a residing word, like a settled word, like a firm foundation type of word. And then rhema is more like an active word of God. Okay? Rhema is like a very movement-oriented word of God. It's happening, it's moving, it's flowing, it's doing some things, right? We're talking about a, a lake that's solid, a river that's flowing. That's kind of the illustration. Um, and so the way it plays out is in like John chapter one, when it says the word was God, the word was with flesh, the word was flesh, all of that. In John chapter one, that word for the word of God is logos. And what we find out in John one is he's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the logos word of God, that, that Greek word. He, that's who he is. So none of what I'm going to say is going to try to diminish 
the word logos, right? The, the logos is powerful. Having a firm foundation, have a solid something there, that's, that matters. That's essential. So don't, don't think I'm trying to downplay that. The, the rhema word uh, is found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, is how it describes what happens in Genesis 1. It says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were formed by the word of God. And that word there is rhema. The, the worlds were framed by the word of God. So the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The word of God is rhema there. So picture for just a second. It says that in the beginning was the word, which was the logos word. And Jesus is with God in that moment. And God is speaking the rhema word to create the worlds. They're both the word of God. One is solid and consistent and powerful, and one is active and moving. One is residing and it's deep, and one is active and flowing. Let me give you one more example with, uh, with the same exact visual illustrations, a sword. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, we see the logos word when it refers to the sword. Uh, It says, for the word, logos in this context, of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, because of the rest of context of scripture, uh, when I came to this passage, I actually thought it was going to be the rhema word because it was like living, it was moving. In every other context, the logos word is like solid. So then when I saw it this way, I was like, oh, this verse changes a little bit. Because it's describing the word of God that's like living inside of you. And it's, and it's piercing things like a, it's, we're too close to lunch for this, but like a nice marinade in the meat. You know what I'm saying? It's like soaking in. Oh, hallelujah. Uh, it's soaking in. And it's like this active word that is residing in you. And it's dividing up your intentions. It's dividing up your soul and your spirit, the bone and the marrow. It's dividing things up as it soaks deep inside of your soul to help you decipher some things of like, oh, I I thought I was like this, but I'm actually, I'm like this. I thought I was doing this with this intention, but I was actually doing it because of that. It's like soaking in. And then it says this, talking about a sword in Ephesians chapter six, verse 17. It says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema word of God. Like we're talking about, battlefield analogies it's like a sword that is sheathed makes you feel comfortable and it's good to have with you because you know you're safe but when it's time to pull it out and start to activate there's a there's a you need both like you can't just be you can't your arm shoulder can't handle just wielding the sword all the time you need something that's solid and residing but you also need a moment where you got to bring it out and today I, 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 want, I want to because my goal is to really inspire you the power of your language my goal and my, my prayer is that you leave with like an active, flowing rhema word on how important it is that you change your language because you have to have changed your heart, which will change your future. Like my heart is that uh, what I'm finding out is that uh, for most of us, we know the right thing to do, but we, we have trouble doing it because we're not motivated or the dreams aren't big enough. I'm finding out that Most of us know like the right foods to eat, but we're not motivated to get healthy because the dream isn't big enough, right? Like the the, the dad who's willing to to like, oh, my heart's got problems and I still want to be there when I walk my daughter down the aisle. That's motivation. He starts to get healthy, right? Like for some of us, the, the call of God on our life is not big enough to do the things that are hard to get there, right? It's like the 
man, I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to change my finances right now. It's not that big a deal. I'm not hurting. It's not that big a deal. No, no, I want you freed up financially so you can follow me when you're called to do. When the call's big enough, you'll make the sacrifices. Like, bro, you ain't gonna tell me to wait till I'm married. Like, you don't know me. Like, we're gonna, we're gonna date and wait till we're married. You done lost your mind. That's for them Jesus people. I don't know about all that. But then whenever you say, like, whenever God starts to impress on your heart the power and the anointing of what you're supposed to have, the power and the anointing of how you're supposed to live and how beautiful and amazing your life can be, is like, oh, okay, then that might be worth it. The hard part over here might be worth it if I'm motivated enough. And there are so many Christians who have understood and believe and have the Logos word. Like so many Christians who, who can quote scripture, like over and over. You know that person that's like, uh, they quote the scriptures like just left, right, like, like, wow, you are so impressive. And you go to lunch with them and they're rude and mean and nasty to the waiter or the waitress. They're like, what just happened? Like, you know the word. Like, you understand, you believe that you're saved and you try to follow Jesus. You show up to church every Sunday and then go out to lunch and are mean to people. And don't tip nobody. Tip them with that fake track with Jesus. Like, no, ain't nobody getting saved off of that. $20 bill, find Jesus. Lost me, that's for sure. I just want $20. In that moment, what you're recognizing is somebody who has let a, a, a logos word stay stagnant and never activate. It's, it's the stagnant pond of the word of God that you knew you were supposed to flow with. You knew you were supposed to take action steps on. You knew you were supposed to choose life in that moment and you let it stagnate and you became justified in your actions rather than having this rhema word on top of your logos word that said the motivation is worth it. The, the thing that God has called me to is big enough that I'll do whatever it takes. I'll follow him wherever he's called me to be. I'll cut, I'll cut my comedy channels out. I'll change the movies I watch. I'll change how I date. I'll change who I date. I'll change what I do while I'm dating. I'll change my finances. I will change. I'll change the clothes I wear. If it means I can reach more people, I will change whatever you call me to do because I got a rhema word about what God has called me to do and who I'm called to be. And this is the scripture that I want you to get in your heart as like rhema active word. Not, not just, you know, it up here, but I want it to, to reside deep in your heart so that it comes out of your mouth from here on out. And it's found in Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. For we are God's masterpiece. See, I, I, want, you to, I want you to go from like knowing that up here to getting it so deep in your heart that it comes out of your mouth. Right? It's, no, no, it's not somebody else that's God's masterpiece. You're God's Mona Lisa. He, he, didn't, he didn't mess a brush stroke up in you. Even your past can't taint the masterpiece he created in you. And the difference is, is you can know that up here, but it will never activate. It'll never, it'll never create and direct your future until it gets deep enough in your heart. It pierces your soul so deeply that it becomes something in your heart that spews out of your mouth, that you can't stop from understanding I'm God's masterpiece. He created me new. He, he, didn't, he didn't say like, oh man, like I can only kind of create you new. Like yeah, I, everybody else is kind of new, but you, I had to do some work. It was like a mistake. I messed up. No, no, that's not how God works. I knew your past. I knew all the mistakes you made. I knew all the things you used to say. I know how you used to act. I know what you did that you're thinking about right now that you're ashamed of, that you wish nobody would ever find out what happened. God knew that and still sent his son to die on the cross for your sins so he could create you a masterpiece so that he had things for you to do. He's got something for you to do. 
And no, 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 don't come into church and be like, Pastor Jared, here's what you need to do. No, here's what we need to do. I want to change your language because we're the church. We're the body of Christ. There's some things we're called to do, and we are God's masterpiece. Me and you, we got something to do. And some of you have been for so long thinking it's somebody else. It's somebody else's. It's that. It's them. And I want it in your heart so much so that it spews out. You're like, I'm mowing this lawn, and it might seem like nothing to somebody else, but I know that he had good things for me to do, so I'm going to do it with excellence as though I'm working to God. I might be flipping a burger, but I'm going to make sure this burger is flipped better than anybody else's because I'm a masterpiece. And I've got stuff to do. I'm anointed. And I, when I walked into this job, when I walked into this house, God came with me because he, I'm his masterpiece and he resides in me. His spirit resides in me. So I'm, he's walking with me. So this burger is an anointed burger that's going to touch somebody's lips. I, I've walked into my house. Come on. I walked into my house and God walked with me and he's going to start to shift my marriage. I'm going to start to speak life into my marriage. I'm going to start speaking life into my kids. I'm going to start believing more because God said, I'm, oh, I'm his masterpiece. He created me new. So why don't I start talking like it? Why don't I start speaking like it? Why don't I let it get so deep into my heart? Let that rhema active word start to activate some things into me. So I stop making excuses, start to fix my heart so that I can fix my language. So I can have the future God has called me to because I know he's got plans. And my, my Bible says that like no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart can even fathom the goodness and the good things that God has for you because you're called. And the difference between getting there and not getting in there is whether you believe that and let the active rhema word of God in your life that you live it. That's the only difference. Is that you, the scripture calls it the faith to live it out. That you have the faith to believe this is true and you have the faith to act like it's true to walk like it's true to talk like it's true and every time your language gets out of line you're like whoops my heart got out of line god what do i need to fix what do i need to stop what do i need to read what do i get into because i'm your masterpiece and i'm gonna live like it and i want to follow your plans because i know your plans are good i know they're to prosper me and have me be in health because i know what your word says about me because i got the logos word and it's time to activate to the rhema word and let it be an active word that's not just in me but it's through me so other people can be changed your tongue your heart and your future they're connected watch one and it'll lead you to the next let's pray god i thank you for a group of people who god i just pray will be challenged in a way uh, that sets the course of their future into the direction you've called it to be i'm going to ask you with every head bowed every eye closed uh, to maybe commit to a challenge and i don't I don't take this challenge lightly because if you, if you raise your hand here in just a second, what you're saying is I want God to call me out on my language. And if you say yes, you're going to have it happen all week long. You're like, ooh, oh, I got to fix my heart. Ooh, I can't believe I said that. I got to fix my heart. I can't believe I typed that in a post. I got to fix my heart. If that's you and that's true about you and you're ready for God to call you out like that, you want your heart to be shifted so your future can be different, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you this week? Come on, hands going up all over. God, I thank you for a group of people who will take the challenge. God, whether it's Facebook Live or here in person, they're taking the challenge to be challenged by you this week, to hear you call out their language so they can fix their heart so they can change their future. God, I pray that they would be receptive, responsible, and to catch those red flags and let it shift their heart. They would do whatever work it takes, change whatever inlets that need to be fixed so that they can have the language that you've called them to have, so that they can have the future that you've called them to have. With every head bowed, every eye closed, there's a maybe another group in, in here that there's some language I've been using uh, and some stories that I've communicated to you about people who went from them to we, to him, to me, her, to me. And there's somebody in here 
that I believe, whether you're here in person or Facebook Live, that it's time to go from those Christians, that church, those people, to me, to I'm the body of Christ. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm the church. And the way that you do that, Scripture goes right back into your language. Scripture in Romans says it's actually part tied into your language. That's why the power is in your tongue. It says that you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord after you've believed it in your heart. That you confess that he's the, the that, that word Lord simply means he's the master of your life. He's the one that directs your ships. He gets to move the rudder. He's the one that gets control of your life because you've learned to trust him and you believe that the sacrifice on that cross for your sins was for you and you're willing to sacrifice your life to follow him. And if that's you, with every head bowed, eye closed, please don't leave this place without Everybody's looking down. You have a moment. What I want you to do is to look up at me and raise that hand. If that's you in this place and you're ready to follow Jesus with your, with your life, would you raise that hand right now and meet me eye to eye? Yes, sir. I see that hand. I see one over here as well. Welcome to the family of God. Come on. There's two hands that I saw. Are there others of you? Your head's bowed, eyes closed. Others of you, raise that hand. Meet me eye to eye if that's you. Let me just let you know that Scripture says that the heavens rejoice over one. And we saw two. So I, I think we should double rejoice about that. I don't know about you. If you're at Facebook Live, make a comment, send us a message. We want to know about that decision. But right now, here's what we're going to do. You're going to confess it with your mouth. But here's the thing. We believe in the family of God. Nobody should pray alone. So we're going to repeat this prayer right alongside of you. I just want you to pray it from your heart. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So I want you to speak what's now true in your heart, the belief that you have now. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I know that I made mistakes. I know that I'm a sinner. But today, I choose to follow you with my whole life. Come into my heart. Make me brand new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And use my life to reach others. In Jesus' name, everybody said.